Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And uh, on this episode, we're coming to you guys with a topic that we feel fairly strongly about. Uh, it's something we've been doing in our own games for quite a while, and it's wonderful. Uh, but it's been kind of on our brain lately. And I've even heard some other content creators chatting about it. So we figured we might as well kind of bring it up on the show in a more, I don't know if I'd call anything we do official, but in a more official way than just kind of mentioning it in other episodes. Um, you know, it's a topic that we think is worth a little more than that. And that's the idea of playing with intent, which we think is just a wonderful thing that everyone should do in the hobby. Um, and we're going to get into why. But, I mean, John, this is something we've kind of done for a while now, ain't it? Yeah, it's something that we've we've been doing for years. And uh, I sometimes forget that everyone doesn't do this until uh, a new person joins our play group. And they're like, yeah, I went and played a bunch of games at this local shop. And, like, people were very finicky about, like, the individual millimeters of, like, how much I moved my dudes. Or, like, we spent, like, 20 minutes arguing about a very specific, like, wording on, like, this terrain. Mm-hmm. Like oh well, <laughs> whoopsies! <laughs> I you know I just forget that people don't do this, and I think it's time we talked about it. Yeah, um, and I, you know we'll get into the reasons why, but I think it even if you are someone who disagrees with this, I still think it is healthy for you to hear the arguments for for it, uh, just so you kind of have a better worldview. And even if it doesn't change your stance, you'll at least be able to understand the other side, which. Uh, pretty good in the hobby that's all about having fun and connecting with other people to have a little more understanding about them and why they do what they do uh, before we can talk about that hobby time and games played all right john yeah i know you've been hobbying uh so i'm just gonna ask yes. you what you've been doing so all, the only painting I've really done uh, this week and last week has been not Warhammer or Wargaming adjacent painting. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of painting on Gores, but it's it's not that, that much. But what I've mostly been doing with Wargaming hobby has been 3D printing. Oh, yes. 3D printer go burr, as the kids yes. say. Uh, I set it up. I've been learning how to use it. I've been experimenting with different slicers, different models, uh, doing different things, uh, running the printer, running test prints, playing around with settings. Like, it's it's been a lot. Um, I told you it was its own hobby. It is. It's a lot of fun, though. And I, I, I now have six Minotaurs, like six Bulgors, because I hate the, the current Bulgor sculpt. I just do. Yeah, so yeah I've I got, think most people do. <laughs> yeah, I've got six Bulgors from my piece of chaos. I'm going to be working on... Some other dudes, like some gores, some Bray Shaman stuff, uh, some Gorgon stuff. I got to find some other sculpts, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun hunting down individual things. But in, in the painting space, 
I've painted a Leshen from Witcher 3 that I 3D printed and just kind of made it like a little diorama. It's like a little break from doing like the workhorse painting I'm normally used to doing. Mm-hmm. I just kind of went a little weird with this and just kind of painted however until I felt good about it and then based it. And now it just sits on the shelf in my kitchen. I get to look at it. Uh, I was really happy with it. It was fun to just do a fun little project. Originally, it was going to be a chaos spawn. Then I was like, no, I can just have a thing that doesn't have to be part of my army. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, and then I also was given my first commission. Ooh. Uh, it was a yeah, it was a Loki Gator from uh, the show Loki. Someone got it, a model of it off Etsy, and was like, "Hey, can you paint this for me?" And like, I've never really done commissions. Like, I've painted stuff for people before, but he was like, I'll pay you. And I'm like, I never I never said you had to, but okay. He's like, yeah, just keep track of your time and like all the other stuff. I'm like, okay. So I've just been working on that and painting it. Uh, and that's been an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out much better than I thought it would. And painting stuff that is not stuff for game is very interesting. You can get just a lot of freedom there. Uh, big fan. But the next thing I'm going to be doing painting all of these bulgors so many bulgors that's a whole lot of beef john it's a whole lot of beef yeah and then the printer's gonna keep running for beasts uh for a while and then after that it's gonna run for guard but i'm also like i'm I'm still thinking about cruel boys right and like i painted this gator thing and it got me thinking about cruel boys more so i'm i'm probably gonna bust out the cruel boys i haven't built yet and build the rest of them and work Mm -hmm. on that too in between, like, the Beast of Chaos stuff and other things. Because my 40k factions are figured out. Like, I'm going to be playing Guard for a while. I'm going to be playing White Scars. I'm going to be playing uh, Chaos. Like, I'm waiting for World Leaders to come out. So, you know, Eldar's going to be coming out. I'll play Guard against Eldar. It'll be a lot of fun. For AOS, I've got Beast of Chaos and Skaven and Stormcast and Cruel Boys. Uh, Stormcast is just not ticking the boxes for me, but... Cruel Boys are taking the boxes for me. So I'll pull it out, work on it, uh, after I've hammered away with the Beast of Chaos that have been living in my brain for years. Yeah, I think Beast of Chaos is a really good passion project, um, as opposed to like an army project. There's just more motivation behind it for you, which I think will propel you further eventually. Um, but, you know, it can't be denied that a lot of that line is old. And does not look all that great. So, yeah. you know, you were kind of you time-gated by how quickly the printer can run on those. Uh, so you can print all of your own stuff. You know, gores, the best of gores look all right. But, like, ungores, gorgons, cockatrice, like, all of that stuff. You just got to print. Well, the gorgon looks great. Like, the gorgon kit looks great. Uh, the problem is, is that, like, you have to... You're pretty much only buying Star Collecting Boxes to get them. Mm-hmm. And how many Ungor Raiders and Bestigors do you really need? You know? Yeah. Especially because, like, Angor, Ungor Raiders are neat, but Bestigors, they're not looking great in the current edition. Uh, they hit like wet noodles, and they're not that tough. But they cost a lot um, for what they do. Mm-hmm. So... Beast just need a new book altogether. Yeah. 100%. Like, Beach just need a new book, but it does not look like it's coming on the horizon anytime soon. I'm not going to expect it, and I'm going to play with the current rules as if we are not getting a new book. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way to be. If you get surprised, great. But at least you've accepted the po- the likely possibility that, you know, it's going to be a bit. And also, like, anything that I print and use in this current book 
is going to be drastically different in the next book because there's no way that that new book doesn't come out and take the army of Flippin upside down. Yeah, and I mean, worst comes to worst, you just need to add some new stuff that you didn't have now. But with, with 3D, 3D printer, 3D printer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with 3D printer, that's not a problem. That's as simple as getting a file and hitting go. Not shabby at all. That that's a lot of hobby. That's a lot of hobby. Yeah, every day. Every day's been doing hobby. At least two hours every day. Hobby. Hot damn. That's the goal. Yeah, I have... What about uh, you? I've similarly been doing 3D printer stuff, uh, but I've been doing, uh, like, mini painting as well. Um, so, my 3D printer for a little while has been on the fritz, as 3D printers are sadly want to do. Um, I could not get anything to stick to the build plate. I just, no matter what I tried, it would not stick to the build plate. It was always sticking to the FEP. And I just couldn't get it to work. So this week, uh, I knuckled down and decided, you know, come hell or high water, this printer's going to run. Uh, so I just kind of started taking stuff from uh, the basics and working my way up. So like, all right, re-level the build plate, run a print. That didn't work. All right, well... Moving on to the next thing. Uh, let's try uh, leveling the table. Because the table it was on in the new house turns out not level. All right, we'll level the table. With some, like, cardboard to act as shims to slide into place. All right, run a test print. Still didn't stick. All right, damn. <laughs> we'll try doing a deep clean of the FEP and re-lubricating it. Try a test print. No, that didn't work either. All right, let's try fully replacing the FEP. Mm, nope, that didn't do it either. Okay. Um, <clears throat> try re-leveling the print bed again with a new FEP and going to lubricate the FEP. Finally worked. And that was... It worked Thursday. I had gift exchange Saturday to give people 3D prints. So, it got very busy. <laughs> oh, very busy. It got very busy with me, like, frantically finding 3D print files for my friends with the stuff they needed. And, uh, I mean, I pulled the last print off of the printer late, 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 late Friday night. Uh, and then let it dry for, like, the five hours I slept. And then cured it Saturday morning. Uh, like 30 minutes before we went to the gift exchange. So I made it, but good God. If, a little well, close. I, sounds like you've been in the same land of me, which is I could stay up for a few more hours playing Mech Warrior while I wait for this print to finish. Yeah, exactly. What is sleep? I got, I got 3D, I got plastic to print. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it had to be done. It had to be done. Uh, but now the 3D printer's working. I got the gifts printed. I got them given. They were really liked. Okay, cool. Uh, but in between all of that, I was also doing uh, paint stuff. Uh, as we've talked about on the show, I am about to start my first crusade campaign with some friends. And I'm running orcs. A bunch of, like, feral orcs. And uh, I gotta get that forest painted before next weekend. Uh, so I have been spending the week in between doing 3D print stuff, painting on the squig hog riders. I got six squig hogs... The six orcs that ride them, and then each orc also has like a goblin buddy on the back of the pig. And uh, over the past week, I have finished up 
all of those. Um, I've got all the riders ready. I've got all the pigs ready. I just need to come in and hit them with agri uh, not agrix earth shade, the uh, uh, streaking grime, and then de-grime them. And uh, then they'll be ready. And uh, I'm then going to have to paint up, within a week, the leader. Their big war boss. Uh, the war boss on uh, Squigasaur. That's it. I'm still learning the new model's names. Uh, so that he could be ready. But I think I'm going to get the full Crusade Force painted in one go. So Nice. Uh, listeners, uh, please bully Joseph to make sure he does this. Yeah. I will bully him with you. We will bully him together. It needs to be done. It needs to be done. Someone needs to shame me mercilessly so I can get this last big orc fella painted for the Crusade campaign. Uh, uh, got to be a blast. I just got to get it painted to be ready. If you finish your big orc fella in time, the next time I'm up there so that we can you know share files and also uh, play games... I will buy you chicken tenders. Ooh. Tendies are on the table. Tendies have been on the table. I will bribe you to paint your models with chicken. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, well, I guess I have no choice now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to paint this orc. I, I did it for the tendies. Like a true ogre player, I did it for the food. Uh, yeah, it's been fun to paint them. They've been a, a good time. Uh, there's just a lot more bits and bobs and details than I was expecting on orcs. So they, they definitely were a little more of a time sink than I was anticipating. But I'm still going to have enough time to come in under the radar and get it done. Which is what really matters. Also, you'll be very happy when you actually get to play them against other people and watch them do stuff. You'll feel very good about it. Yeah, I think they're going to be a blast to play. Uh, I don't know how well they're going to do, and to be honest, it's nice to not care. Because <laughs> they're orcs, man. Like, I just want to charge them at somebody and see what happens. If they win, cool. If they don't, that's all right. We'll retreat and come back. Um, it's. I think it's going to be a blast. And we're going to play, like, a bunch of games in a day, which is just going to be a fun thing to do with my friends. We might break it up with some Magic the Gathering. Um, all in all, it's going to be 10 out of 10. Can't wait. I got to do my hobby this week and able to do it. But I think it's going to take a lot less time actually to paint the hero than it was to paint all like 20 foot troops and then six cavalry units. Like it is just going to be so much faster to paint one model, which I'm really looking forward to. But, you know, bullying aside, John, on to the topic. Alright, John, it is my intention to move into the topic phase of this show. That was a terrible transition. What's I, wrong with you? It is my intention to say you're an ass. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but also, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a serviceable transition. Uh, <laughs> you're bullying me on the wrong thing, John. I'm a bully on everything. It's my job. <laughs> I bully you on whatever I want. I'm a best friend. I have to bully you. You do the same thing to me. Don't you Don't you start with me, Joseph. <laughs> it's starting. I'm finishing. It's too late. We spent an hour talking about Spider-Man before we recorded this. I don't want to hear nothing. I mean, that's true. We did literally talk about Spider-Man. <laughs> no way home. For 
like 45 minutes before we started actually recording this episode of the podcast. Uh, I can't talk about it on this podcast because it's just chock-a-blocka full of spoilers. But uh, if y'all are into them, they're Spider-Man. Go watch that movie. Um, but yeah, like, John, this is a topic that I'm kind of shocked we haven't talked about sooner. I, I, it is, we've done a disservice by not thinking of making a full episode about this. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I blame myself because I often take this for granted. I think this is probably one of the things, especially with the, the players that I play with, I take for granted the most because we all kind of naturally do this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's playing with intent. And it's kind of like the foundational building blocks to building a good play community, whether it's casual or competitive, mm-hmm. uh, or a mixture of the two, is, is learning to play with intent. Like knowing what your, your opponent is intending to do and not say, staying so strictly to the rules and, and doing something called a gotcha to your opponent, right? Like if someone is clearly intending to move their people close to for a nine-inch charge, right? When doing a deep strike. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to fit within that framework. And you double check all the measurements and, it, and it's right. It doesn't need to be exactly to the millimeter. You don't need to spend 15 minutes doing that. You can just go, okay, no, that's that's good enough. Like that works. Yes. Like within a reasonable amount of time. And then when they roll, see what they get and go, yeah, that's good enough. Like you don't have to measure everything with such massive precision that it ends up being half the game. And it speeds the game up. Your opponents know that what the intent is, like, especially with like terrain, right? Well, with the terrain rules, like you can assign all these keywords to them and they do this and that and this and that. And like sometimes your opponent moves a vehicle as they're trying to move everything, and there's just like this tiny little bit of uh tank sticking out from behind it and it's not obscured anymore. And like your buddy will look at you and go, uh, was the intent for that to be entirely obscured? Like, yeah. Okay, that's whatever. Yeah, like, scooch it just a tad. Okay, there you go. You're good. Like, I think the definition I would prescribe to playing with intent is that it's an effort to play with what your opponent is trying to do rather than playing with the minute intricacies of what they are doing. Um, because let's be honest, we're playing a tabletop miniatures game using, you know, essentially measuring tapes as a representation of a big battle. And it's an abstraction of this narrative that we all have in our heads. And that abstraction is just inherently inaccurate. Like I, I cannot measure down to like the tiniest millimeter with a measuring tape while hovering like eight inches or 10 inches above minis to see exactly where your guy is. Um, there's just wiggle room in that you you're eyeballing it for a lot of this stuff. Um, and in that there's an inherent amount of inaccuracy that I think you just kind of have to accept when you're playing the game and just lean into and playing with intent allows you to do that. Um, and like, it definitely is true for measuring ex- for deep strikes. Like that's a great example, John of like, Hey, there's buku room for you to put your minis wherever you want. Just like put them roughly nine inches. I know where you're at. Like we, 
And we both know what you need on the charge, because the rules say you need a nine. So anything lower than nine, we don't need to quibble. We just, we know it's a failed charge. Yeah, and you can take playing with intent even further, right? Like, mm -hmm. when I sit down to play a game with Joe, and like, it's his shooting phase, and he's going to shoot with, I don't know, a, a squad of 30 orc boys, right? Mm -hmm. That's a, a lot of shots, right? It's going to take him probably like a couple of minutes. Probably not super long, but a couple of minutes to roll all that. Or like his movement phase takes forever. Well, I'll, I'll step outside, have a cigarette while he's doing his movement phase. I'm going to trust he's not going to break the rules, mm -hmm. right? That's also playing with intent. Is like I, the intent of this game is for us to play a fair, fun game. Or a fair, balanced, fun game. And well, I'm not going to sit here and monitor everything you're doing. I'm going to go step away for a second if I need to. Go to the bathroom, get a drink, do whatever. And know that you're just going to follow the rules. That's also playing with intent. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you don't build that level of trust and understanding when playing the game until you start doing that with like rules interactions too. Yeah. Um, it avoids gotchas, which are sort of like... Uh... How would I describe a gotcha in a way that doesn't involve sort of like snide derision? Uh, well, I, I'll do it for you. Okay. Um, <laughs> gotchas are the boogeyman for both competitive and casual environments in that they are rules your opponent was not aware of or things that your opponent was not aware of that you then kind of pull a fast one on them with. Mm -hmm. They are not good. They do not prove any sort of skill and they generally just make people have a bad time like if i you know if i have a block of corn berserkers right and joe asked me hey what do those guys do and i go oh they fight really good in melee right and he goes well like what do you mean by that i'd be like oh well they've and i just tell them the weapon profile and i don't tell them that they can fight twice Mm -hmm. That's a gotcha. Because when they do go to fight twice, you'd be like, I didn't know they could do that. You didn't tell me that. Well, there you go. That's a gotcha. Uh, an example with playing with intent is like you watch your opponent place models down to figure out a deep strike that you know they're intending to have within nine inches from you. And they actually did 9.5. And they roll the dice and up for their charge. And they get a nine. And you go, well, you fail your charge, and you go, what do you mean? I made my charge. I was nine inches away. We're like, oh, no, you actually placed about 9.5, so you needed a 10 on that charge, and it didn't work. Right? The numbers might be a little bit off in my example, but you get what I'm saying. Turd move. And that, yeah. it doesn't feel good yeah. to play against, and if you are the person doing that, you're not proving anything. You're not winning. You're not showing that you're better at the game. You're showing that you're just cool with someone making someone mad and going, ha-ha, like, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you another example that's kind of in my head. Um, so I was playing a game with our editor, Seth, uh, a few months back. We were kind of learning Age of Sigmar 3rd Edition. Uh, and in 3rd Edition, there are essentially, uh, there's command abilities you can use that if you're a 40k player, they're kind of like stratagems uh, to give a little buff to a unit. And you have to use all of your, com you have to use command points to do it. And at the end of the turn, any command points that were not used are just gone. They reset at the start of every round. Uh, and we were on the bottom of uh, turn one, and I went to charge Seth's big hero guy. And I made the charge, and I get into combat, and we go to the combat phase where I'm about to roll dice, and Seth goes, oh, 
man, um, I really should have used this ability to give my guy plus one to save. And at that moment, you're at a crossroads. You can say, oh, well, you did it, say it, so you don't get it. Or you could say, you know, man, like, I just fully assumed that you were going to use it. You know, you're, you have enough command points to do it. Whatever you don't use in this moment is going to be lost forever. This is your only combat. So, like, I just assumed you were going to do that. Just go ahead and take your plus one, spend your command point. We're fine. We're just going to keep on rolling. Uh, and I went with the intention that, like, there's no reason why he wouldn't do that. There's just no reason why he wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, so just, like, let it happen. It's okay. Again, we are playing a game that is a rough facsimile, and I'm sure that he thought it in his head, and in between all of the other discussions, and especially learning a new system, it just got dropped. And that's fine. Um, you know, he did the thing, we did the combat, Nothing was worse for wear. We kept playing the game. Uh, but when in that one example, you go, oh, that's neat. But across the course of a game, you're probably going to have multiple times where you can use intent instead. And in doing that, it's just kind of good for you and your opponents. It's just good for everybody involved. Yeah, or like the uh, interrupting fights strategy in 40k. Like mm -hmm. letting someone know, especially someone who's new, know that that is a thing you can do when they go to pick their first unit to fight with that they charged with. Mm -hmm. It's a very good thing to do because like someone might go like, I'm going to fight with the cultists first, just whatever. And you'd be like, oh, wait, wait a minute, bud. You might not, maybe not best choice because I could totally spend these two command points to interrupt and go kill this unit that you're going to try to use to kill my leader. Mm -hmm. And you can be like, oh, Thanks for the call out. Like, it makes both people, it, it lets both people kind of have a learning moment. Yeah. Uh, one person learns how to like share the table, and the other person learns a new thing about the game and is presumably a better player for it. Mm hmm. Yeah. And similar to that previous Seth example, like, oh, it reinforced in his head that I have to state it when we go into like combat phase or whatever. Like, these moments are just good for everyone, they help everyone to have a little moment in your head, a little event that your brain will mark to remember some interaction. Which, in a game where you're trying to become a better player, is good to have. Well, Joseph, that sounds like a benefit. Now, I would, would you... say that's a benefit. I would. Yeah, uh, would you say that's a benefit? I would, I would. And I think there are multiple benefits to doing this. Yeah. Would you um, call this a segue? I would call this a segue, a light segue, good. but a segue nonetheless. And John, because make sure I'm everyone a good knows person, a segue. I won't bully you for your transitions, <laughs> you shit ass. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so subtle, you might as well put a spotlight up. I'm not a subtle man. <laughs> <laughs> Throw up the spotlight, have Batman show up by mistake. Good God. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's beneficial for everyone. Uh, when you do this consistently, especially in your playgroup, because let's be honest, we all have a playgroup we play with. It might be a club. Uh, it might be like a group of friends. It might be a little tournament scene that you like to go to. But you got a playgroup. And when you start to do this with people in your playgroup consistently, going, hey man, like I know what you mean. It's cool. Just keep on moving. Or like, I, I see you're trying to move like a, a blob of 60 Skaven. It's cool, man. Like, no need to measure every Skaven. Just like, 
you know, push about the table with a broom. It's all right. Um, you'll you'll take them off with a with a broom and dustpan, anyways. It's got to be cool, dude. Or you know, trying to help people to not get gotcha'd when you're playing with their intention. It really fosters other people to do the same. Uh, and I think this is something that we undervalued previously. Uh, but I think the reality check for me was at Joe Hammercon. Um, you know, we've talked about it on a previous episode, but I ran a mini event for a weekend. Uh, we had a bunch of people we know come down to play now that we're all vaccinated and stuff. And we wanted to play 40K for the whole weekend. And I mean, John, we had a time. And in doing that, you know, we had three tables set up on the first floor of my house in different rooms, but like you could hear each other talking from room to room. And I would say probably the most common phrase you would hear from the other rooms is, my intention is blank. And then, you know, they would talk about what they mean to do. You know, my intention is to get just close enough to be able to shoot you, but be out of range of charging. Or my intention is to be just outside of nine for my deep strike. Or, um, you know, my intention is to be able to like pile into your hero and vice versa. And by God, we had infected our entire play group with this ideology without even realizing it. And it was great. It was so good to play against a whole bunch of people who all did this. Uh, it kept us thinking about sort of the like strategic decisions of the game rather than like the minute turdish gotchas of measuring tapes and jerks. And also it fostered a lot of conversation between players at the table going, oh, so you're trying to do this. Well, did you know you could do this? Or... Oh, that's how that works? Like, those kinds of things, which became learning moments for understanding each other's armies. And, like, helping someone who might be newer at the game learn a new tactic or a thing that they can do that they didn't realize, it just didn't click in their head. Uh, which I think is important. It is, especially if you have newer players in your group. Anything that lets them learn is worth its weight in gold. Um, you know, learning a new game is hard. And learning a game that's this intricate and with no sort of computer optimization or automization is even harder. Especially in down to like the minutia of interactions. And the more you can have, not just like reading the book, but you can have memories of things that happened in person to solidify those little tiny details, the better off you're going to be. And conversations like that where you do just take a moment to pause and go, hey man, uh, let's kind of talk about how this works so you can make an informed decision for your army uh, because, you know, some of these rules are tricky and, like, let's talk through this one particular interaction. That's really going to solidify for people. And your newbies are very quickly going to become surprisingly good if you make that a habit. But, John, I don't think that's the only benefit. Um... Uh, also, I noticed at Joe Hammercon that like we played a bajillion games of Warhammer. Yeah, yeah. That I think weekend. I played like seven games of <clears throat> 4K. Yes. Like per person. Um, and we were only able to do that because the games were boogieing pretty quick. Yeah. And I'm going to Yeah, because we weren't spending forever measuring individual uh, millimeters. 
Yes, exactly. Like, I'm going to attribute a fair portion of that by everybody being calm and playing by intent. Like, you know, you got a big blob of stuff. That's fine, man. Like, you don't need to measure every mini. Just, like, move off the front row and bring the other guys up behind. That's fine. And all of a sudden, moving that one unit went from, like, a three to five minute ordeal to 30 seconds. Yep. And now multiply that across two movement phases a turn and multiple units moving on each of those movement phases. And you're saving time. Same thing for measuring, like, ranges with guns. Most of the time, you could figure it out. It's not hard. Just quick, whoop, yeah, you're very in. Or if you're on the line, take your best guess. Like, come and on And, like, now. you can just take the, the tape measure and you can just pull it all the way out to the range you need. Put it over your model. Like, I did it with tanks all the time. Like, this is the furthest I can see point from my model. Does it touch your model? And look at your opponent and let your opponent make the decision. And just trust that they're going to look at it and go, yeah, or no. Like, that mm-hmm. the sharing the, the board in determining things and not trying to argue with one another and understanding the intent allows you to, like, just play the game faster in a less stressful way and you end up making less mistakes and enjoying the game more. Yeah. Um, And I think that's really valuable, especially if you're someone who's playing multiple games in a day or like in a weekend, if you're some sort of event, that's invaluable. Because again, this stuff adds up per turn per game. So the more you play, the more this time save is going to stack. Yeah, if you save a minute here, a minute there, it doesn't seem like much, but in a two-hour game, and if you're saving that every, like, five or six minutes, you're saving a minute or two, that's a lot of minutes. You've saved a many minute, brother. Yeah, uh, and that's just invaluable. Just invaluable. Um, and I, I would argue that those two things alone are worth playing by intent, um, but I think kind of the sneaky benefit that I didn't even realize before the show but just kind of hit me is that when I did get done at Joe Hammercon, the nice thing that I felt was that like every victory I won was mine. Like I won it by playing strategically and being smart with my list and my decisions. Uh, and that I was kind of in the driver's seat and I, I won at what I would call an honest game every time I won. You know, there was no weird gotchas. There was no sort of underhanded tricks to beat my opponent. I, you know, when unsure about something, I went in their favor because it was, you know, it made sense. And you're just being sporting. And when you are sporting and you're honest with them, your wins just feel better. You know, if I beat somebody and I knew I did some like very questionable things to do it, I'm not getting satisfaction out of that victory. I'm just not. That's not going to feel good for me. And it it definitely isn't going to feel good for them to lose to questionable things. And it just increases the satisfaction. And also... And no one comes out of that game a better player. Oh, yeah. If everything's questionable? Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Nobody learned anything in that game. So you didn't have fun. You didn't learn anything. And you didn't improve. So you just played a game and... And, and one on a technicality. Mm. Mm-hmm. That don't feel good. Nobody likes winning on a technicality in anything. Sports, games, nothing. No, that's awful. Um, 
And also even the loss, like the losses also felt better because at least I lost honestly. Like, you know, yeah. I came in, I gave them a good game. I followed the rules. I engaged. I tried to be like pleasant and engaging as an opponent and I lost, but you know, I did my best and I at least played honestly and that's all I can really ask for. Had a good time. It just, I don't know. It's more satisfying to do especially over a weekend. And I hope it felt the same for the other people at the event. Because, um, man, what a great thing to foster in your group that you play games with. I don't think anybody yeah. can complain about that. Not at all. And I think that it has a lot of benefits for when you're not just playing with your casual group of buds, but bringing that mindset to, like, a tournament, whether it's a local tournament or a big tournament, has a lot of benefits, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say they have pretty much all the same benefits as the casual. Like, everything we mentioned before is true. That you could foster better play experiences in your play community. You know, now it's just a bigger number of people with a tournament by yep. playing with intent. Uh, you will also definitely save time. Maybe more time at a competitive event, because generally you're jamming out more games than at, like, a game day. Because you're playing like five games on a weekend and all that time you save is only going to rack up even more. And there you're actually on a clock, so it matters even more. And so like that's still there. And if you're similarly minded to me, you will probably still feel more satisfaction for victories by not playing like a turd. Um, and maybe, you know, it'll help your losses a little. Uh, but in the competitive environment... I think the big difference is that you are pushing hard intentionally to try to be a better player. Just in general. You're trying to make better decisions. You're trying to learn your army more. You're trying to get down to brass tacks of interactions with other forces and matchups and stuff like that. And playing by intent, I would argue, makes you better at all of that. Yeah, I mean, first step, before you even walk into a tournament, you're going to play practice games. Most people who play tournaments have practice games. They play with other people who are similarly minded, who are going to bring similar style lists. In those games, if you play with intent, you're going to learn way more from all of your practice games and what you should and should not do in response to certain things than if you just sit there and, and quibble about individual small millimeters. Mm-hmm. Like, you can genuinely learn how to react to some of your toughest matchups if you just learn to play with intent through practice games. And then when you go to the games, you'll feel less stress and you'll feel like you have the ability to react to these things because you've been, you, you know how this plays out. You know how this works. You know what the averages are. You can go. You can move with it. And then you kind of build this toolbox in your head of how to respond to individual like situations and what tools you have with the list you brought to respond to the tools they bring. Uh, and that all starts with playing by intent. And when you come into a game with the intention of winning by playing with intent and not winning the game via gotchas, you will perform better as an opponent, you will perform better as a player, and you will have a positive effect on people and you're more likely to get some tips from better players if you're, you know, playing like a good guy and not trying to be a turd. Yeah. Um, I think the big difference there is, like, 
In the example where you're playing by intent, your goal is to learn your force and learn your units and learn your list and your interactions and learn your grand strategy and refine your decision making. You're learning the game. And in the other, where you're just trying to win on gotchas, you're gaming the rules. And those are two different things. Uh, and like, I would, I'm sure there are going to be times where you can win a game on the second. You could just game the rules and get a sneaky win on somebody at your club. Okay, cool. But try that at tournaments on the top tables where the, like the best pro players are, they're not going to make those small errors for you to really game them on. And, like, if you keep playing with gotchas, you're going to keep only hitting those middle tables, never get to the top tables, and you're always going to have to chase the meta for the new netlist. You're never going to be able to take the faction that you like a lot to any sort of success if you're not willing to learn the game and learn with intent. Mm -hmm. That's just the fact. If you only try to win the game with cheap rules, you're just always going to end up playing the next Jukaris and Admex and waiting for the new nerfs and everything else. Stop chasing that. Learn to play with what you like with intent, and you will become a better player. Yeah, because, I mean, gotchas inherently rely on someone either making a minor mistake or not knowing your rules. And when you get to the high echelon of players, both of those things are probably not going to happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they are going to, one, not make tiny mistakes, but two, they know your rules. So you can't gotcha and you're you're just going to fall to pieces because you haven't been learning your force. You've been looking for innate stuff to try to get people on. Not the great long-term plan if you're trying to become, you know, 4-1 top table best of the world. So, you know, if you are a competitive person, maybe consider it. Just maybe. But I think, you know, for everybody, it's important. I mean, let's be honest. I know we separated these into, like, casual and competitive but the benefits are the same for both. And I would even argue that last bit we said, especially for competitive players, probably applies to a lot of casual players too. I yeah. mean, they're not pushing to like be the best necessarily, but I don't know anybody who isn't trying to, to learn as a player. Um, so uh, I think the benefits are shared amongst both groups. Um, it's just good for everybody. And I think a lot of, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the show and just in general, that even in the, the general community with wargaming kind of gets split up between casuals and competitives, there's no need to have those lines drawn. You're going to have competitive, I, I would count myself as a more competitive player in our play group. Uh, but I don't do asshole things, um, which is not. A competitive player thing. That's just an asshole player thing. That's the best way I can explain it. Is like I, I see myself as a more competitive player. I like to bring tough lists, but I can tone them down if somebody is like newer and they need to learn like the game. But I, I do like my games when I get to go. I'm gonna go full bore, and someone else is gonna go full bore, and we're gonna see who's better. I'm a big fan of that. But I'm still playing in a casual play group. I don't go to tournaments. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Like, you, you can also be a competitive player, go in casual settings, and you can be a casual player who goes to competitive settings and tunes it up every once in a while. Like, that doesn't mean you can't learn some of these things and transition them into both environments. 
because I think that they're both playing the same game and a lot of things can be transitioned into both environments. And there's no sense in kind of separating the two when you can just do them both. Yeah, maybe that's a larger discussion we could turn into an episode about the difference between sort of casual and competitive and how maybe that overlap Venn diagram is uh, a little wider in the middle than we would expect. Um, yeah. And also, we're talk about where the real difference lies in terms of optimized and unoptimized lists. Because I think that's really what people mean a lot of the time, but that's a whole other discussion, literally. <laughs> and if you guys want to hear that discussion, let us know. We can try to pull it forward in uh, the topic roster. Because we have like a list of topic ideas that we just sort of sift through and pick the ones that we think people need or would like. Um, but if this is one that like people are hearing us talk about it and they're like, hey, you know, I don't stop talking. I want to hear more. Let us know. Uh, we'd be more than happy to move it up. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. DMs are open. Uh, so just shout us out there and we'll be happy to bring it up. Or uh, if you're on YouTube, feel free to drop a comment. We read them uh, and more than happy to respond there. And if you really want to go above and beyond to help the show, uh, give us a, a review on wherever you're listening to this. We, we have it on a lot of places, um, but that really helps. And if you're an absolute champion, share it to a friend who you think uh, might get some benefit out of the show. You know, if you're trying to push for playing by intent in your group, this might be a, a nice primer to sort of casually get them into the idea and explain the basics to them. And it might be a jumping off point for you guys to start playing this way if you're not already. Or maybe if you're doing some of it, to just kind of give it a name and make it a little more intentioned. Uh, but either way, if you share it, we'd appreciate it. For now, John, I think that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. And we'll see y'all next time.